Hi, and welcome to the Sheep Show podcast dedicated to all things ovine. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. This is your podcast to learn more, know more and achieve more when it comes to shepherding. Come with me as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. Welcome to the Lambing Diaries here on the Sheep Show podcast. This is a series of experiences and learnings and reflections and challenges that I've experienced in this lambing season. And uh, this particular piece is from the first two weeks of lambing to help you see what I've been through over the last couple of weeks. So do enjoy this volume one of the Lambing Diaries. Well, the good news is we've had our first lambs. We had our first twins this week, uh, beautiful, big, healthy uh, twins. We had a five-kilo girl ewe lamb born and a five-kilo ram lamb born. So very exciting. And uh, they were born on a just a dusk one uh, one of the evenings. And as, uh, as I was deciding what to do, whether to bring them in and, and bring them down uh, to a shed, uh, and I did decide, and I, I started to move them, to move them down. You know, carrying the lambs down, and and it made me think of a time that Gary and I were in our little urban fringe farm that we had. We had an urban fringe farm just in the the outskirts of Melbourne, in the Yarra Ranges, for eight years, and uh, we had goats there. The same experience I uh, had this week as we had with the goats, which was the realization that once you lift up a lamb or a kid off the ground, the mother, the doe, or the ewe cannot see the animal. Doesn't actually believe. The, the animal is there or their lamb is there. They're so conditioned to expecting to see their lamb or kid on the ground that when you lift, when you as a human, you lift up that animal into your arms, the mom just kind of freaks out because she's not expecting that her her lamb just disappears out of thin air. So it's really quite strange. So if you do ever have to move your ewes in, in lambing season and, and you want them to, to follow their lambs, which they will do, then try and keep the lamb as close to the the ground as you possibly can and then she just thinks oh they're walking off I'm going to follow them and I'm not going to be happy about it but uh, at least you'll be able to to move her quite quickly and she'll be able to get uh, get to where you want them to be and she'll be able to reunite with her lambs pretty quickly but it's just one of those things that you just kind of don't realize that it happens and when when you have that experience you kind of think ah oh, that's it of course you, you see a lamb, you expect to see a lamb in a particular position and you don't. So that's the good news. Last night, went out to check my sheep and just checking through them all and towards the end. Then I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. What's that? I couldn't really take a photograph of it and tried to, tried to take some photographs of it, send it to Jason, but couldn't. And uh, it seems that it was a, a rectal prolapse. And of course, yeah, I, like nine other people, were actually contacting Jason at the same time, this is about 10 o'clock at night, all with lambing questions, all at the same time. And then I came down and got Gary to help me come and, and catch the U. And when we went back up, the, uh, the prolapse had, as Gary says, relapsed. So it seems that uh, rectal prolapses, the best thing you can do is probably just don't do anything and they'll hopefully go back where they should be. And, uh, and I checked her again this morning and she was absolutely fine. So since the first week of lambing, which was the second last week in July, we have had 27 lambs from 16 ewes or so. So an interesting mix, re- mixed results. 
Uh, I'm still waiting on about 70, 71 used to lamb. So still, uh, still quite a few to go. In fact, I feel like I haven't really started yet. We are expecting some really bad weather. So, of course, this is when they're going to start, I can expect. But they're looking incredibly uncomfortable. But I haven't been just resting on my laurels for the last week. I have had some really interesting experiences around lamb survival. Some challenging experiences uh, and some experiences that I think I would really, I really would feel that everyone would benefit from. So it is interesting, isn't it, when challenges happen and we look back on them, we think, what was the learning from those challenges? And yes, I've had some amazing learnings over the last couple of weeks. For example, did you know that with colostrum in newborn lambs, really you you want that lamb wants to get that colostrum in within the first 30 minutes, definitely within the first six hours, no point topping up that lamb's colostrum after six hours. Its body simply won't absorb it. Amazing sort of fact and, and thing to think about. I've been using the Pro Start Paste for a couple of my lambs. I've given to, I think, four, which just needed a little bit of a boost. In fact, my lambs overall have been huge and they really have you know we're talking six six and a half kilos for for some of them in fact two two of them were two six and a half kilo twins just huge almost like double the size that I would normally uh, expect or or at least a little bit more my lightest have been three and a half kilos which you know with any anything as someone said recently on a Facebook page anything about with a four in front of it is really good so three and a half kilos for for a set of twins I'm pretty pretty happy with that and you really see them how quick they are to uh, suckle and how quick they are to sort of do that little lamb run about the paddock late in the afternoon so really cute to see them and and of course when you lift them up you think wow how how uh, robust is this little uh, little thing they've all been tagged so my strategy is once they're lambed I give them a day or so and then tag them check them out I'll check for pigment. Uh, I'll make some notes on the performance of the mother, of the mothering of the ewe, and uh, give them a bit of a rating. And I had a chat with Jason about this, actually, and I was going with a a sort of a rating from one to five, uh, five being excellent. And Jason suggested to me to use 10 with five being an average and then go from there. And, And some of the elements in here that I'm considering are how attentive is that mother, how quick is she to suckle? Does she need any assistance? And I actually haven't had to intervene in any of my births. In fact, I haven't even seen any. They've happened all so quickly. Uh, other things I'm thinking about with that mother is, does she watch her lamb? Does she watch and pay attention to any trouble that lamb might be getting into? And I'll talk about some of the troubles my lambs have got into uh, as we as we move through this uh, this episode. But does she keep an eye on them? Is she watching out for them in their best interest? Does she call them bleat? Does she stand for them, give them enough food? And then, of course, how is she with uh, any rejections? So her, her general mothering ability. Also, how, what's her udder looking like? I've already seen, for example, one you that I've made a note of, which I just thought, oh, there's a little bit of a, a lumpy udder there. and I need to check that. Nothing too urgent, I don't think, but something I will need to check when we are weaning. Uh, I'll check all the udders when I'm weaning and make some decisions around selection for next year as well. So really looking at that udder shape right now to help me make some uh, make some decisions. But as I mentioned, I had some learning experiences around lamb survival, hence the colostrum and the paste 
few other things that I found out, some of which, of course, you kind of have to have these experiences sometimes. But I had found a lamb pretty dead, pretty much, and took it into the house. And I thought about some of the things that actually Simon talked to me about when I was down at Cavendish last week. And he talked about the hypothermia and how we need to get that lamb's inner temperature, inner core temperature much higher before we start to feed them. And I was trying to warm up this half-dead lamb and was reading about how important sugar or glucose was to get that into that lamb. So I tried some honey. Now, we're very lucky. We have our own bees here. So we have been able to harvest our own honey this year, which is absolutely beautiful. And I decided I would get some of that and put it in the lamb's mouth and around the gums. Lo and behold, I couldn't believe the result that it actually had on this particular lamb. It didn't work for another one, I have to say, but it was too far gone. But this one really, really bounced back quite quickly. And a few of the things that when I'm talking to you about this, a few of the things I'm looking for in my lambs. So these are all lambs who are all out in the paddock. And then I decide I need to intervene. And they might be two or three days old. I am looking for constant bleating. So if that lamb is bleating incessantly, then there is something wrong. And for a few of them, this is what happened. The mother, obviously, just not interested, too much trouble, whatever it might be. And there could be all sorts of things going on with that lamb that we we don't know about. The other thing I'm watching for is the hunched back. Is this, Does this lamb walk around with an arched back? And from that, then they're hungry. The lamb is absolutely starving and, and um, it almost looks like sort of one of those, you know, cat pose, that yoga cat pose almost. And that made me grab lamb yesterday afternoon and, and bring him into the house as well. So now I have two, although one of my neighbors is going to take him hopefully this afternoon. So uh, he'll go off to a new home. She's got some boys desperate to... Uh, to bottle feed a lamb. They were here last week running around trying to catch one. So uh, I decided I'd donate him to a to a good home. So these are the sort of the signs. And really what we're looking for is the difference between starvation and hypothermia. So hypothermia when it's really cold and we need to get the inner heat going, inner body heat going, or starvation signs. And of course, in that instance, it's not suckling, it's not feeding, not getting enough, whatever reason. And therefore, like I had another one where it just didn't seem to be able to lift up its head. And this was um, this was the one I used the honey on. And, and she's uh, she's come really, really good from that. The other things that I've noticed here, and I've been doing some research, of course, now I'm bottle feeding. Well, actually, I didn't start off bottle feeding. I had to tube feed this one that I used the honey on, tube feed her for two days. Now, I think she was just so far gone. Now, I had given her some colostrum because I knew she, she needed a bit of a pet. So I had given her some colostrum in the first couple of hours. She, hadn't, she didn't really lift up her head, but I needed to tube feed her. Now, I was, was very nervous about tube feeding. I tried it in the past. <clears throat> you might have heard Brett talk a little bit about the tube feeding in his podcast. And I actually re-listened to his podcast when I was on my way to Cavendish and thought this is going to come in really handy now that I'm listening to it with fresh ears. And sure enough, followed Brett's instructions about bottle tube feeding and a few other things I, I worked out go inside of the mouth. And Brett was talking about how the trachea is is sort of um, kind of like ripples in it. So if it goes in smoothly, it's going down the esophagus and that's where you want into the stomach. If you haven't checked out a YouTube character, YouTube sensation called Says the Vet. Um, she's a New Zealander, says S for sugar, E-Z, says the vet. She has a fabulous 
video on lambs and how the four stomachs in lambs work and how when you give the lamb, whether it's in tube or in the bottle, milk at the right temperature, it triggers a reflex in that lamb's stomach to send that milk down into the abomasum, not into the rumen. And with that temperature, that's what changes that. So you really need to get your milk at that right temperature. And I've been using the water bath method to increase the temperature. So if my bottle goes cold rather than putting in the microwave, which kills all the protein in the milk, I've been putting it in a water bath and heating the milk back up to ensure that I get the best value from the feed that I'm giving them. This one, this particular one, she was 2.8 kilos when I had took her in. She was actually 3.2 and that's how much weight she lost. And um, because I weighed her on my kitchen scales in here, don't tell Gary that. And uh, so you're giving her 10% of her body weight. So that's 280 mils for the day. So she's only taking like 30, 40, 50 mils. And she's much better now. She's a couple of days now and she's taking about 100 mils in a feed, which is pretty good. But it's interesting just to think the temperature, how much the temperature makes a difference. As I was using the honey, I also did some research on the recovery position for lambs. Who knew there's actually a recovery position for lambs? Let me see if I can explain it. You have the lamb and you really want to get the best breathing position for that lamb. So you want to get their back legs coming forward. So the back legs are forward under their body. Then their front legs are sort of stretched out. So again, it's a bit like a yoga pose, I guess. So that allows that lamb to be comfortable, but also allows all the internal organs, particularly the lungs, to work and function as best they can, rather than perhaps them just lying on their side or however they would do it normally. So putting them in that recovery position as best uh, as best you can to help. I mentioned that some of my lambs had got into trouble. Well, we were out doing some fencing, as what we normally do most days here, and I, we were right beside the shed where some of the lambs are and I could hear this little bleating noise and I went inside, had a look around, there's some hay bales in there and this is where the, the, some of the sheep are going in at night time and I thought that's a bit strange, it sounds like there's a lamb in there but I can't see anything, went back outside, didn't think out any of it, then came back about an hour later, hear the bleating again, I get up onto the hay bales, they're about three or four stack high, not too many of them, look in down the side between the shed and the hay bales and there was a lamb had got himself in there. Big lamb. You know, this guy's 47 kilos now because uh, he's one of the ones that was born that very first day that I mentioned earlier on in the podcast. And there he was stuck. So I thought, oh man, this is so typical, isn't it? That lambs, whatever, the little nook and cranny they can get into, whatever the mischief they can get into, they're going to find themselves in it. Now, they absolutely love the hay bales. They jump on them, they sleep on them. And we're thinking about this with Gary the other night, how warm that must be for them to be able to hop up on a hay bale and, and curl up and go to sleep. And it's protection as well. So they're, they're kind of up high. And, and it's really quite interesting to, uh, to sort of see them enjoy themselves up there. But I've pulled some things and pushed some things into the holes so they don't fall through the holes and they don't be able to get stuck again as well. Another thing that uh, I heard last night in one of the other sheds, I heard this really big crash and I thought, what is that? Goodness gracious, what is that? And I thought, oh, I hope this isn't a you rejecting a lamb and, you know, 
brushing it away with her head. I went in there and of course, I don't know if any few of you might have seen on my Facebook page, I showed a picture of a possum. Here's this big fat possum in there in the middle of these ewes and the lambs eating the food. And of course, what's the ewe going to do? Hey, you're not supposed to be in here. And the ewe has gone to attack this possum. Very, very funny. Uh, but deal still did frighten me with the noise that, that I heard uh, as well. So really, really quite funny. It's good that I can still laugh about things. Maybe when the rest of my sheep have, have lambed over the next few days, which are giving dreadful weather, I won't be laughing. So in my next lambing diaries, it perhaps won't be laughing as much about all of these things. But it's all learning. It really is all learning. So... As I said, started to lamb on the 21st of July, the the day I was supposed to sort of start lambing. And here we are. It's actually the 3rd of August today. So why have only a tiny fraction of my ewes lambed? So I'm probably at 15 or 16 or 17% of my ewes lambed. Well, here's Jill doing her research again. So, and who do I talk to? Mainly Jason, but I talk to lots of other people as well. So I talked to Jason. I said, what's going on here? And he said, and and even I was wondering why my lambing percentage is okay. It's probably about 150%, but really in a season we've had, I would much like it. I much prefer it to be much, much more. It's not bad, but for a meat sheep that we have, which is self-shedding, no value of the wool, really for meat sheep, you want to be getting your lambing percentages at least 150, if not 170%. Think about it in terms of the production value, the outcome from your production you are wanting to get to make it valuable to make it profit profitable we really need to be thinking about increasing those lambing percentages and that's really what I'm trying to do and of course increasing those lambing percentages is not about what I do now it's about what I did five months ago five and a half months ago to be precise so here's what I'm going to do next year it's okay for me right now I'm here I can work around dragging out lambing times However, where this is going to hurt is when I'm looking at measuring growth rate, where I'm marking, where I'm weaning, and particularly where I'm wanting to get my ewes off the lambs in one group so that they can recover and get ready for joining next year. So it's not the end of the world, but if I'm going to be as efficient and productive as I possibly can be on my farm, then I need to think about these things. So next year, I am going to use a teaser. Now, with teasers, there's a few things you can do. You can get a vasectomied weather which is a castrated male. So he's not, he's sort of vasectomied, if you like, but he's still got testosterone pumping through his veins. And that's really what you want. I did try the ram effect this this year where I had rams right next to my ewes running for two weeks. Wasn't enough. Uh, it, it, and I can see the results now. It simply didn't have the ram effect that I wanted in terms of bringing my ewes onto cycle, bringing them onto heat. What, and, and one of the reasons for this is ewes who get pregnant on their first cycle can experience a false heat. Now, they're very fertile, which means they're getting, as we, we were talking about the other day, it's a little bit pregnant. But the problem is with that, they will produce a single. So they're very fertile. But the ability for them to, to multiply themselves is limited because their heat cycle hasn't quite kicked in. So that really is a bit of a sort of a, a false pregnancy. They join, great. They lamb early, great. But often they're, uh, they're going to produce a single when their capability is to produce multiples. And that's really what we want. We want at least a twin 
and anything else, as long as you can manage it, manage it and she can manage it is a, is a bit of a bonus, but it can be challenging at the same time. Triplets can be challenging. So vasectomy ram, yeah, seems like a bit of a bit of a, a a bit of a laborious job. So suggestion was from yes, you know it, Jason, to inject a weather with testosterone. So get some testosterone from the vet and inject a weather that you've identified with that testosterone. You only need to. I think there's a series of injections you need to give them to elevate the levels of testosterone in their body. Put them in with the use. We had a pre-joining, I should say here. This is pre-joining. And they, that weather will stimulate them to their first heat. Then what you want is have maybe 21 days later, because generally cycle is 21 days. 21 days later, you will put in your actual ram. So take out the vasectomy weather or else the ram and the vasectomy weather will just end up fighting all the time and not really interested in girls. Take out the vasectomy weather, put in the ram with the profile that you want for those use, so the stud profile and the genetics that you want for those use, and then you would expect tighter lambing, more multiples, less use that are capable of producing multiples produce singles, so we call this fecundity, so higher levels of fecundity, and of course from that you would hope that that efficiency streamlines throughout your cycle, so that will reduce in evenness, in terms of your marking and your growth percentage, you can really compare like with like now. And then looking at your weaning, easier to wean, which means you'll be able to turn off your ewes or, or separate your ewes from those lambs in a more even way. So this is something I'm thinking of uh, doing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it actually. And uh, Jason was saying just whatever weather you choose, that's it. That's that weather's life. You never eat that weather. You, he might stay 10 years and do his, do his job and he'll just run with the rams without, obviously, vasectomy, sorry, without testosterone throughout the year. So he's kept for that particular purpose and, and he gets a nice long life for that particular purpose. So that's something I'm going to do. Now let's talk about other lamb survival elements. We have been out at nighttime quite a lot, obviously, with our used lambing. We're trying quite a few strategies this year. And I'm going to reevaluate those and try different ones next year. This is all this uh, learning. We went out one night, found two sets of twins around about eight o'clock. So it's reasonably early. And we'd just been up there probably about six o'clock. So it was quite they were really, really fresh twins. And uh, I walked over to have a look at the twins. Gary was walking along the fence. He had the gun. And what did he say? Fox. And there was a fox right in amongst all of the ewes, literally meters away from where the twins were. So very lucky that we were there. We probably would have lost some lambs. But just to look at that, and I talked to my dad, I talked to Jason about this, and what happens is the fox trains the ewes to trust him. Hey, I'm just a little old fox. You've got nothing to fear. I'm just going to you know, walk in and out of you until you have your lamb. And then when you do have your lamb, I'll come and either eat its head or take it. Depending on what I'm doing, if it's sport, I'll just eat its head or its tail or its tongue. And if I'm hungry, I'll take the whole lamb. So things to think about here would be, and we are baiting, we are shooting, we are trapping, we're removing habitat. And we have three old alpacas who I won't be using next year. So I'm going to say goodbye to the alpacas and I'm going to take some advice from Crystal. If you remember Crystal's lions and tigers and bears, 
and I'm going to get a Marema or at least in, look into the viability of getting a Marema and see if I can get that Marema bonded. Very interesting, exactly what Crystal was talking about. I saw just today on a on a no, on a little Facebook notice board, which was someone locally. I don't know them, but they were quite local to me. Saying, "Anyone have uh, know where I can get a, a livestock guardian dog in this particular area?" And I just thought, "You're lambing now. You've lost some some lambs, and you're panicking." And as Crystal said, this is something you need to do months, years in advance, if you like, to bond that dog to your flock. So next purchase for Jilly will be a Marema. Now, we're not here all the time on our farm, so... We have to think about taking more of Crystal's advice, which is setting up that automatic feeding system and, uh, and doing all those things. And, and that's what we're prepared to do if it means the, the health of our lambs and the safety of our lambs as well. I am using a, an electrified netting corral, so which means I'm using chicken poultry netting with uh, an electro, solar electrified charger. And the ewes go in there at night time. And then if they lamb and I see them, so I'm out pretty regularly, I have a little polytunnel, which is just a little covered greenhouse, I suppose. It's portable, so it's not, it's not so you can move it around. And then there's little, we've put wire around it and we've got some doors, They're just, just a cover, a plastic cover, and I'll pull the lambs in there if uh, if possible. And that's what I did the other night. I had a couple out there. And then they're able to stay in there. I could give them food, food and water. You know that they're protected from the elements. Even though the weather's been good, it's turning bad. But it gives me a peace of mind. They're in it. They're in with in, in this electrified netting and they're now in this other little sort of portable shed and uh, and that gives me that extra peace of mind so lots of learning for me and lots of things to think about as I am improving what I do trying to change things trying to adapt things and also trying to do things a bit creatively as well so really looking at uh, some new strategies so Hope lambing has been going well for you and hope your learnings have been worth considering and taking into consideration your next year's lambing as well. Good time to reflect. You've been listening to the Sheep Show podcast with Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on your preferred podcast app. Each rating and review helps us fulfill our goals of helping you learn more, know more and achieve more when it comes to all things ovine. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, sheep well.